Hello, Grace Church. Mark Wheeler here again, back for another week of Alenia, the podcast that we've been doing. But before we get started, I just wanted to take a second and tell you how much we love and miss you. Um, I hate that we can't meet corporately yet again, but we are looking forward to that day and that time where we are allowed to do that. Um, but until then, just want you guys to know how much we are loving and, and missing you. And we're thinking about you guys consistently. And we're praying for you. Um, and I also just wanted to, to let you know, if you've been listening to the podcast um, from all of our teachers at Grace Church, feel free to reach out to us. And if they've helped you at all or if they've impacted your life, feel free to share that testimony with us. We'd be happy to rejoice and to celebrate with you. Um, and if these are helping you, reach out to us and, and tell us all about that. We want to know so we can celebrate um, and we can encourage others through your testimony. So let's jump into week three of Alinea. And like we've been saying, Alinea, the definition is off the line, a new paragraph or the beginning of a new thought or idea. So we're embracing throughout this series the opportunities that Jesus is giving us to do something new, to open a new door, a new window, to do something new, not only in us, but through us and for us. So let's continue for week three. If I had to put a title on this, I would title it new is not comfortable. New is not comfortable. And we're going to take a look today at some scripture and, and some situations where some people were asked to do something new and it wasn't quite comfortable. And we just want to see how it worked out and how we can apply that to our lives today. So if you'll go with me, we're going to go to Exodus 17 verses one through six. In verse one, it says, and all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys, according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore, the people did chide with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, why chide ye with me? Wherefore, do ye tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people murmured against Moses and said, wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, what shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, go on before the people. And take with thee the elders of Israel and thy rod, wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand and go. Before, behold, excuse me, behold, I will stand before thee upon the rock of Herob, and thou shalt smite the rock, and give there shall come water out of it. And the people may drink, and Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Now, if you live in Louisiana and you're in the south, Hopefully you never have to experience this, but if you have, I'm sorry for you. And if you ever will, I'm sorry. But if you're living in Louisiana and it's the middle of the summer and your AC goes out, you're probably going to be pretty uncomfortable. And that's one word that nobody really likes to hear. Uncomfortable. People do not like to generally be uncomfortable. We don't like it. We like to be in our comfort zone where things are great, where we control the atmosphere, we control the environment and things are good. But when we look at the scripture text that we're reading, the children of Israel had just left Egypt and they're on this journey to the promised land. Now, they're being led by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, and they're being divinely directed into the exact place that Jesus has for them. Now, along the journey, they find themselves in a place with no water and no food. So imagine that you're on this long journey, stuck in the wilderness after just being freed from bondage, and now you're in a place where there's no water and there's no food. Usually people get pretty hangry if there's no food, but if there's nothing to drink and people get thirsty, I think that's just about as bad or if not worse than being a little bit hangry. People need water. 
You just generally need water. It's a good thing to have. It's a good thing to drink, especially when you're hot and you're thirsty. And if your AC goes out in the middle of the summer and your water quits working, you're in a pretty tough situation. But that's essentially what these what the children of Israel were experiencing. They were in this place along this journey and they had no water to drink. And it led them to a place to where they started to question whether Jesus was actually with them or not. See, this is the place of adversity that we all face and it always tests out our belief. See, had they had to face the question within themselves to believe if God was a provider or not. They had to answer the question within themselves of is God leading us or not? Is he with us or not? They even asked the question, is the Lord among us or not? They started to question whether Jesus himself was present. They were in such a terrible place. They were in such a need of hunger and thirst that they started to question the actual presence of God. The same God that had freed them from bondage, the same God that had provided every step throughout this journey, the same God that parted seas to, to where they could walk across some dry land and escape the grasp of the Egyptians. They started to question whether he was with them. And see, these questions are similar to the ones that we ask ourselves in the middle of our adversity, in the middle of our uncertainty. Whenever we're going through situations, whenever we're going through dry places, these are the same questions that we ask ourselves when, when plans don't quite go right. When things don't really work out the way that we expected them to. These are the same questions we ask ourselves. Is God a provider or not? We're faced with those questions every time we deal with adversity and uncertainty. Is God with us or not? And I'm here to tell you that he is. The answer is always yes, but it doesn't always feel that way. And see, they even found themselves upset with their spiritual leader, questioning if God was with them and even longing to go back to their bondage. They thought that their bondage was better than a free wilderness. And so they started talking about Moses amongst each other. They started complaining to each other about how bad it was in this wilderness, about how bad this journey was and how much better it was in Egypt. Yeah, they might have been in bondage, but at least they had water to drink and at least their cattle had water to drink and at least they had food to eat. And so they started complaining to each other about their spiritual leader, Moses. See, we have to be careful to realize that our bondage is not better than the adversity that we deal with with Christ. Yes, ideally, a walk with Christ would be wonderful and we wouldn't have any difficult times and there wouldn't be any tough journeys. But the reality is there are. And we have to decide that the journey with Christ, even with the adversity, even with all of the challenges and all of the struggles, is so much better than bondage. Because it really is. The journey with Christ, with all of its adversity and with all of its trials and all of its struggles, leads to everlasting life. But the bondage is going to lead to death. And we have to be careful to realize that our bondage is not better than adversity with Christ. No matter how good the bondage or the sin was, it doesn't measure up to the freedom in Christ that we have, regardless of what it cost. So Moses does. What any spiritual leader does in a time of distress like this, when there's people murmuring against him and he has a situation, he doesn't quite know what to do. He seeks the counsel of God. 
So the Lord speaks after Moses seeks his counsel and he instructs Moses to gather the elders of Israel, gather all the people, grab his rod and go to this rock. And Jesus promised that he would stand before Moses and he told Moses to smite the rock and that water would flow. So a couple things. Jesus instructed Moses to gather the elders and to gather the people. He wanted this to be done in the presence of the people. And I think it was for a couple of reasons. First, I think he wanted to reassure the people that Moses was indeed his chosen one, even though they were murmuring against him and about ready to kill him. He wanted to assure the people that Jesus had indeed chosen Moses and that Moses was the capable leader that he, they once thought he was. So he wanted this done in the presence of the people. He does the miracle through Moses in front of the people. And I think a big part of it is to restore the people's trust in Moses, in their leader. The second thing he instructs him to do is to get his rod. Now, the Bible says this was the same rod that he used to part the Red Sea. And so, honestly, if, if you're in any type of leadership, you've, you've probably been aware of this at some point in time. And if not, you probably will be. But when things aren't going too great, usually people are too happy. And sometimes that can lead to a lack in self-confidence. You start to get a little bit down on yourself. You start to worry. You start to question if that's, you know, if you're doing exactly what Jesus wants you to do. And so Jesus tells Moses to bring with him his rod. And it's the same one that he used to part the Red Sea. And I believe he told him to do that because the rod brought confidence. Moses trusted the fact that the rod would work. And he trusted the fact that the rod would work because he'd seen Jesus do it before. And so he tells Moses to get his rod. So Moses follows the directions. He gets the, gets the people together. He gets the elders. He gets his rod. And the last thing I want to point out to you on that, he, he tells Moses that I will stand before you. And that's big to me because what Jesus is doing is he's reassuring Moses that no matter what, Jesus is going to be with him. Jesus will be with him. And that is one of the most important reassurances that I could give anybody at any point in time is that God is with you. Just like he promised to be with Moses, he promises to be with you. But he promises Moses that I'm going to stand before you. He's relieving Moses of the burden and the worry of having to provide the solution to these people's problems without the help of the Lord. So he's instructed to smite the rock. And I think this instruction is pretty cool because Jesus is really up to something bigger here. He tells him to smite the rock. And he's he's using this as a, as a foreshadowing to point to the New Testament picture of Christ and how he would be smitten for us. And that he would eventually be the rock that living water would flow out of. If you read in first Corinthians 10 and verse one through four, it says more of a brethren. I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and passed through the sea. And when it talks about under the cloud, it means that the children of Israel were led by the pillar of cloud throughout the day. And where it talks about passing through the sea, about how they crossed through the Red Sea on dry land. In verse two, it says we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And they were baptized it was a symbol of baptism where the waters parted around them and they walked through the sea. They were essentially immersed in water in water and it was a foreshadowing of the New Testament baptism and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that was that followed them. And that rock was Christ. So Jesus tells him to smite the rock, just like Jesus years later would be smitten for us and that living water would flow out of it. Jesus is depicting himself and he's using Moses in the situation to foreshadow him being that rock that followed his people and that living water and that life would eventually flow out of. 
So Moses does as he's instructed. And we, we get a happy ending to the story. He smites the rock just as Jesus instructed him and water flows out and the people drink and they give to their animals to drink and everything seems to be OK. The people trust him again and now their thirst is satisfied. So let's jump to Numbers 20. We're going to read verses 1 through 12 here. And I'm going to give you kind of another example. And we'll start to tie some of this stuff together. Numbers 20 verses 1 through 12, it says, Then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, into the desert of Zin in the first month. And the people abode in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. And there was no water for the congregation, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. Does that sound familiar? And the people chose with Moses and spake, saying, Would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord? And why have you brought us brought up the congregation of the Lord into the wilderness that we and our cattle should die there? And wherefore have you made us to come up out of Egypt and bring us into an evil place? It is no place of seed or figs or vines or pomegranates. Neither is there any water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, gather the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. And it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beast drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he as he commanded. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, Hear ye now, ye rebels, must we fetch water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beast also. Now, if you read that, it sounds like a pretty good story with a pretty happy ending, right? Now, and what we read right here in Numbers, now this is after 38 years of them traveling in the wilderness. The children of Israel find themselves again with a spirit of complaining. They're in a position yet again where they have no water, they have no food, they're stuck in a pretty bad situation, and they start complaining to Moses and Aaron again, questioning why they were brought out of Egypt in the first place. Obviously, they, you know, they didn't remember the last time that Jesus brought them out of a sim- the exact situation. The last time that Jesus provided a way when it seemed impossible. The last time Jesus made their provision. That time Jesus freed them from Egypt. That time Jesus parted the Red Sea. They obviously didn't remember any of that because now we're here again and they're stuck with the spirit of complaining. And so they question why. They would take them away from their place of bondage and into a place of uncertainty. Real familiar story here. So Moses and Aaron follow the same path. They go to God in counsel. Jesus instructs them again, tells them to take the rod just like he did last time. He tells them to gather the people just like they did last time. But here's the new thing. This time he tells them to speak to the rock. Last time they were told to smite the rock. This time he tells them to speak to the rock. Now, let's see. Let's look again at what happens here in verses 10 through 11, because this is important. It says, and Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, here now, ye rebels, must we fetch water out of this rock? So if you just think about it, I'm a pretty simple minded person. But if I read that first account and then I read the second account, 
seems like Moses is uh is getting a little little wide chested here. He's getting a little proud of himself, calls him rebels and asks him if he should fetch water out of the rock. And nobody likes to deal with a complainer. But at the same time, these are the people of God and they should be you know, treated with a little bit of respect. But, you know, in any any given situation, everybody would probably react differently. But Moses here, he calls them rebels and he's kind of talking to them a little bit. Must we fetch water out of this rock? And verse 11 is really where the story changes, because Moses lifts up his hand. And instead of speaking to the rock like Jesus instructed him to, he hit the rock twice and water did come out abundantly in the congregation drank, and everything seemed fine. Now, Moses hits the rock instead of obeying the voice of God and speaking to the rock. Jesus told Moses to do something new. But he rejected it and did what he was comfortable with. Now, water still flowed from the rock because God will always provide for his people. But just because the water flowed doesn't mean that God was pleased and it was correct. Moses ignores what God told him to do because he was confident in the way that it worked before. He was comfortable with the old way. He was afraid or maybe too stubborn and didn't believe in God enough to do something a new way. And it ultimately cost him Because see in verse 12. It says, and the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron and said, because ye believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. See. Yes, water flowed from the rock, but in verse 12, Jesus lays out the consequence for their disobedience and ultimately their lack of belief. Jesus tells Moses and Aaron that they will no longer take his people into the promised land. Now, I want you to see something here. Notice that Moses was the one who resisted the instruction. Yes, Aaron was with him, but Moses was the one who hit the rock instead of speaking to it. But Jesus gave consequences to Moses and to Aaron. See, because when we resist the Alinea, when we resist the new thing that God wants us to do, when we resist the new direction that God is bringing us in, when we resist the new calling that God is bringing us into, it not only affects us, but it affects our brother. It affects the people with us. It affects our family, our friends, our church, even the kingdom of God. See, Moses and Aaron missed out on the promise of God because they didn't believe and embrace and obey the new command of Jesus. God was doing something new. Jesus instructed Moses to speak to the rock. But they did the thing that they were comfortable with, and even though it worked, Jesus was not pleased. See, we have to be careful to not find ourselves in a place where we dismiss what God is asking us to do because we're comfortable doing things the old way. The old may way may work. But if God is moving us in a new way, in a new direction, it's for a reason. And if we aren't obedient to that, we could be sacrificing the promise of God in our lives. I'll give you an example. The gospel of Jesus will never change. Doesn't need to carries all the power in the world and it still works. But what can change is the way that we present the gospel. 
the method by which we bring the gospel can be brand new and fresh. And Jesus is doing that even today. He is inspiring people with new and fresh ideas to bring the gospel to the entire world. But the gospel message has never changed and it never will. And we believe that. But where we mess up is we get comfortable and we want to do things the way that we're comfortable doing them. See, comfort is the greatest threat to progress and revival. And just like Moses, sometimes we're uncomfortable doing something a new way, even with the promise of the same result. Jesus told Moses that if he spoke to the rock, the water would flow. He had everything he needed to trust Jesus and to speak to the rock and to obey the direction and the new command of God. But he did what he was comfortable with. So I want to bring this to you. Some of us are a bit uncomfortable having church in our homes. I understand it's not ideal, but who said the outcome of church had to be different? Who said the outcome had to be different just because you're in your home? Why can't God move in your home just like he does at Grace Church? Why can't God heal people, heal you in your home just like he does at church? Why can't God deliver in your home just like he does at church? Why don't we worship in our homes like we do at church? See, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves relying on the comfortable way or the way that it worked before to get our miracle instead of listening to the voice of God and being obedient. What if God has brought you into your home and he's challenging you to do something new? Some of us haven't worshiped in our homes. Some of us haven't prayed in our homes. Jesus is drawing you to something new. He's using the times that we have, the the uncertainty that we have, and he's pushing us into something new. But if we aren't careful, we'll find ourselves holding back because it's not the old way. It's not the way that we're comfortable. And we'll resist the new way of God. We'll resist the way that God is calling us to do because we're comfortable and we're confident in the way that it worked before. But I want to encourage you today to be obedient to the voice of the Lord. I want to encourage you to embrace and obey the new thing. Even if it's outside of your comfort zone. Even if it's worked another way. See, it's easy to do what we're comfortable with doing. But I want you to hear the word of the Lord today. Sometimes doing what's easy is unacceptable. And in Moses's case, that was extremely true. It was easy for him to smite the rock, even though he had to smite it twice. It was easy for him to smite the rock because he did it before. It worked before. But what was easy was unacceptable. God will sometimes call us to do things that make us uncomfortable and push us past our vision and abilities. But he does it because he wants to start something new in us, a new confidence, a new trust, a new faith. The Alenia is meant to bring us into a better understanding. Not forsaking the past experience, but embracing the new one in Christ. So I want you to be encouraged today. I know the stories, one of them has a pretty good ending, one of them not so much because Moses and Aaron don't get to go into the promised land. But I believe that Jesus put this here for us to guide us, 
to not be so stuck in the way that it always worked, that we resist what God is trying to do right now. Don't be so stuck in having to to limit Jesus moving in a physical building. Don't be so stuck in the tradition that you've always seen that you can't see God moving in a new way. So I want to encourage you today. Pray the way that God is calling you to pray. Worship the way that God is calling you to worship. Minister the way God is calling you to minister. And don't be afraid when he gives you a new way to do it. Believe in him. Trust in him. And watch him begin something new in your life, even in the middle of your discomfort. I want to pray over you today. God, we're so thankful for your spirit. And we're so thankful, God, that you are our great provision, even in times of uncomfort, even in times of uncertainty. God, when things don't make sense. God, help us to hear your voice. Help us to follow you, Jesus. Help us to hear you clearly, Jesus, and to be able to obey what you're speaking to us. God, if you're calling us to pray like we've never prayed before, let us understand that. Let us hear that, Jesus, and let us move in that. If you're calling us, Jesus, to lay hands on the sick, God, if you're calling us to minister in a brand new way, help us to hear that and to receive it, God, and to follow your voice. God, we don't want to be so caught up in our ways that we miss what you're wanting to do new in us. We don't want to be so caught up in tradition and how things normally go and how things are supposed to work that we get lost in what you're trying to do that's new in us. Help us to see, Jesus, the way that you see. Help us to do, Jesus, what you're calling us to do. God, give us strength. Give us encouragement. God, be our peace in times of uncertainty. Be our provision, God, in times of need. And we'll be careful to give you praise, all glory, all honor. In Jesus' name.